Welcome everyone to POV Crypto, the only podcast that both Bitcoiners and Ethereans listen to. I'm David Hoffman, here with my buddy Christian. Christian, how you doing? Doing amazing, hanging out at my parents' house and uh, yeah, it's always nice to come down to LA. Summer, the summer weather is amazing, beach is amazing, no complaints in my life. Dude, it was sunny and gorgeous in Seattle all of last week, and my apartment has a bunch of windows so I can see it all, and then this weekend it was just like cloudy and wet. I was so fucking pissed. I guess it doesn't really matter because of coronavirus is, you know, on its 2.0 surge, but uh, yeah, I was slightly upset. So, in the world today, coronavirus up and shit coins are up. DeFi tokens slash shit coins are up big. Everyone is getting hilariously rich. Yes, Bitcoin so, and Ether are just standing stable. All yeah, very, very, very stable. And so I was actually talking to my roommate about this uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, and I brought this point up with you, Christian, a number of podcast episodes uh, ago. It was probably a fight night, you and me. And, and if my imagination does not deceive me, you were nodding your head in agreement where the Fed just printed a bunch of fucking money, right? And so like a lot of money, a lot, a lot of money. And so like this, this was Bitcoin's time to shine, right? Like if Bitcoin is ever going to go up, like this is the time for it to go up. And it's still stuck at like 9,000, low 9,000s. What's up, dude? What's up? I mean, I don't know about this is the time for Bitcoin to shine. Bitcoin is not necessarily as relevant to all that money as the stock market is. So I, I think it makes a lot of sense that the stock market is going up a lot, um, which is why I've invested in the stock market uh, with some of my portfolio. So I'm not I super thought, mad I about that. I thought you were DCAing out of the stock market. Uh, well, DCA out means not selling all of it. And mm-hmm. I, you're not in the same group, but uh, like two weeks ago, I, tweet, or I mentioned inside that group with Hunter that my thesis has changed and I bought a bunch of SPY. Okay, so, what what made your thesis change? So honestly, I was talking a lot to Ansel Lindner, um, but realizing that globally the stock market is the modern savings technology, mm. that savings rates across the globe are up big time, and that's going to pump the shit out of the stock market. Um, on top of that, uh, you know, there's this thing called the Fed put the Fed put. Mm-hmm. So essentially, is there's this idea that if anything goes wrong, the Fed's going to save us. Right. So even if the Fed actually can't save us or it's not saving us, is the belief in the Fed put is right. having an effect. So I don't know. Like, I don't see a reason why stocks would go down as long as things continue to be the way they are. So yeah. stocks aren't allowed to go down. They're not allowed to go down. NLW, Nathaniel from uh, The Breakdown, gave out a really fantastic podcast. It was themed around Doge, but really using the Doge story as like an exemplar story of just the times that we are in where Doge, this generally dormant meme coin in the crypto world, low market cap gets pumped by TikTok, which is this application that is a very dubious application when it comes to nation states where China is apparently TikTok is an arm of China to collect a bunch of data from a bunch of people. And so like every other nation is upset about that, except the people on Doge or or on TikTok are pumping Dogecoin just because fuck it. Like things are pumping nowadays. Tesla is at 
$250 billion market cap and all other like major car companies combined are roughly equal to what Tesla is. Nothing makes fucking sense anymore. But I do agree with what you just said where like, if you are looking to save your wealth, like you go to the, you go to where the money is being printed and that is where the, the stock market, like that's where the money printing goes. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I think it's important to change your position and that's why whenever, like I, I am a very slow trader. Like if I'm like, man, this is my position. I'm going to like take incremental steps towards that position. I'm really not about making one big move. Right. Um, so that, I mean, I think that that saved me because my thesis was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I just sold all my stocks at the bottom then I would have been fucked. Um, so I'm glad that, you know, a decent amount would like kept writing, uh, that, that definitely helped my portfolio balance. Right. Still at all time highs despite selling. So that's how freaking crazy the stock market is. I think the discrepancy was like, there are, you, you have an idea about the world, about the way that your, your personal values and how they reflect, how you th- hope that they one day become reflected. And then there is like, and that's Bitcoin, right? Like, like it's hard sound money, but that is Bitcoin and all of these other crypto systems are very incrementally adopted, right? They're, they are not a one single coronavirus away from adoption, right? They are, they are multiple decades of different circumstances being away from being adopted in by different people from different communities, blah, 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 blah. It's not At least a decade, wanna... minimum decade. <laughs> It well, it depends on the scale, right? So like when you say that we're, okay, we're one more decade away from adoption, like what does adoption even mean and by who and by how many, right? Ubiquitous. You, okay, but that's like, that's going to be our kids' kids is what ubiquitous Bitcoin adoption means to me. Uh, I mean, iPhone came out in 2008. Oh, that's not the same though. That's not the same. Yeah, this is even better. <sighs> That's a that's a very and hard I, sell. And iPhones are already around now. That yeah, but you don't you don't have any like massive gargantuan uh, incumbent system that is incentivized to not have that become have the iPhone become like the thing, right? If the if whatever new innovation when cellular technology and smartphones comes about, like everyone's for that, but not everyone is for Bitcoin coming around. There's a lot of people who would want to stop that from happening. But Bitcoin and these other systems are also viral. So, mm-hmm. like, yeah, like, I don't what, know. What I, they're, they're, viral nowadays? The memes are supreme. Yeah. Yeah, you're not wrong. Um, but, I mean, capital doesn't move fast. Capital, like, like, like you just said, like, you don't, you don't, don't ever pivot on a, on a hard decision to just completely go from one idea to another like you slowly you you make trade slowly and i think so does the world right so does the world like bitcoin isn't it's not going there isn't going to be a year of bitcoin or perhaps even a decade of bitcoin although you could argue that like the last decade was a decade of bitcoin but you could also argue that it really wasn't and i think you could make that same like the 2020s probably not going to be the decade of bitcoin because it's just going to be in the background and then one day people will just assume that, that it is the force that we always thought it would be. Like it'll just become that, but it won't ever be a very cataclysmic, like, oh, now it's Bitcoin time. It's just, there's just going to be Bitcoin. Gradually and then suddenly. I agree with that. I didn't say suddenly. 
Well, no, it's just gradually, 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 and then, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, perpetually, perpetually, gradually, and then all of a sudden, it's the status quo. Oh, okay, I just said sudden down, didn't I? Boom. Gradually, it just becomes the status quo is what I really meant to say. Yes, so we agree. Sure. All right, real quick, let's let's sneak in a really sneaky ad for Alto IRA. Super sneaky uh, ad. Yeah, so Alto IRA guys, uh, use them in order to avoid taxes, in order to have a tax beneficiary trading account on Coinbase. Um, really, if you are a trader and you're using Coinbase, uh, you can use Alto IRA to put all of that activity inside of an IRA, inside of Coinbase, and it never have to you know, pay those short term capital gains on all of your trades. So we're going to be talking about a bunch of we're going to be talking about a bunch of DeFi tokens, all of those are on Coinbase. If you want to be trading those and you know, trying to get some huge gains, there's a good chance that you're gonna be paying a significant amount of taxes at the end of the year. If you do it inside of an IRA, that can save you big time. Uh, so if you, you know, are trading, Highly recommend checking out altoira.com backslash POV crypto uh, and, you know, see see if it's a good fit for you. Again, altoira.com backslash POV crypto so that way they know we sent you there. Okay, part of the contrast of me starting off the conversation with like, why hasn't Bitcoin gone up is because like DeFi tokens are fucking mooning like it's 2017. Like yeah. Lend Ave is up 800%. Link just hit $8, which brings it into the top 10. We have Ampleforth, which is the coin that I've been very interested in, which is doing fucking crazy shit. DeFi tokens are, they, and like we could have recorded this episode two weeks ago or three weeks ago, and it would have been the same thing, right? Like almost a month ago, we could have said like DeFi tokens are fucking mooning. And it's been that way for four weeks later, right? DeFi tokens are going insane. Like everyone's getting hilariously rich and I'm fucking late. But also at the same time, if this is a 24 month long pump, like it was between like the start of 2016 and then the end of 2017, still relatively early. But I think there's a pretty interesting contrast between the non-action of Bitcoin and all of the action on DeFi. Well, I recently, not not to turn away from Bitcoin, but I recently saw you tweeting about how bullish everything is in the Ethereum community, but yet Ether's price is sitting stagnant. Right. So, you know, right back at you. Yeah. So that, that is a very interesting, um, it's a very interesting position that Ether's in, right? Because it, it obviously this whole market is tied to Bitcoin at the end of the day, being the thing that represents, I don't know what, like 50% of total market cap. 62%. 62%. coin market cap. So maybe even yeah. more if you don't count right. their risk. Yeah, if you take out the liquidity. criteria. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. So Bitcoin's like the, the big, the, what's it, the big elephant in the room, right? Like, so everything kind of depends on Bitcoin. Uh, the things that don't depend on Bitcoin, which are like DeFi tokens, low market cap DeFi tokens, don't depend on Bitcoin. And they've been going absolutely nuts. And like Ether's been kind of caught in the middle, right? And I think I, I could accurately make the claim that over the last like four to six weeks, Ether has been trying to like break out out of its uh, price action. And I'm not a trader. So like, don't fucking listen to me. 
but it has been trying to make these moves and it makes its move these moves upwards and then bitcoin like dumps just a smidge and then that kind of cuts the air out of the room for ether and so like i what in my opinion my bias my narrative is that like ether is trying to break out on this momentum of these DeFi tokens but like bitcoin is just like staying rock solid solid at between like 9000 and 9500 well, again, not to do too much TA, but there just seems to be a lot of resistance at both 300 as well as 10,000 for Bitcoin and Ethereum, uh, respectively. 250 for Ether. 250. To be, to be more yeah. precise, yeah. Sure, whatever. I don't look at the Ether chart very much, to be <laughs> yeah, honest. Likewise, but, I like the Bitcoin chart. <laughs> um, hey, that's why we make a good match, though. So mm-hmm. the listeners get a full picture despite uh, both of our biases. Um, but I think you nailed it when you said like, you know, Ether, Bitcoin in the crypto scheme of things in the cryptoscape, they are kind of like the big market cap, more difficult to move around, even right. though there's the so only that two, difficult right? to move. Yeah. Whereas like these DeFi tokens, like they're the epitome of illiquid. Right. So That's why, uh, it doesn't take a pumping. lot to, yeah. And then, you know, yeah, so I mean, that's why I think you're surprised to see that Ether isn't, you know, pumping, and it very well could because, you know, what's what's the best place for all of those gains to go into, right? right. I guess it's either stable coins or Ether. Mm-hmm. That is a good question. Like a, a lot of the the back alley channels that I have with like my fellow Ethereum people, we're all like, it's all going to rotate back into Ethereum, right? Like it's all going to rotate back into ETH. That's that's the narrative. But at the same time, there's like a plethora of of stable coins on Ethereum where all these all these DeFi tokens could easily rotate back into. So that that, that is a little bit of a juxtaposition there. Um, Ethereum loves to be a settlement layer for all assets, but that means that you know ro- rotation could happen elsewhere other than ETH. It could just happen into other shit coins, for one thing. Um, yeah. Then also, uh, there's Tether is now inside a compound, and Tether's. Uh, probably going to go make its way into all the other DeFi apps too so rotation could be going into tether not necessarily either yeah i was slightly unrelated but uh btc vn the biggest kind of cryptocurrency uh blockchain atm and otc desk service in vietnam went from 65 percent bitcoin 15 percent ether or sorry uh 65 percent bitcoin 15 percent tether five percent ether um otc volume to now 80 percent tether otc volume wow so tether has completely taken over the otc volume in at btc vn and i think that one of the biggest use cases is remittances right interesting how do they know that because i mean i I listened to interviews uh Mm -hmm. by dominic well and he talks about like in in vietnam remittances from china and other kind of more developed asian nations is one of the biggest Strong. use cases for crypto. Yeah. Interesting. That's kind of like why I guess, I guess remittances kind of invalidates or at least doesn't strengthen this thesis, but like, that's also kind of why you can't ever take away the context of what the fed is doing from what's happening on Bitcoin and ether. Right. So like when the fed pumps a bunch of fucking money and then stable coins flooded into crypto, crypto dollars, like, largely tether but also usdc and also largely die have all pumped right and so when we talk about 
you know, BTC being stagnant and then also Ether being stagnant and then also DeFi tokens rotating into perhaps other shit coins, but also perhaps to plenty of crypto dollars. And the rise of crypto dollars has come out of this coronavirus pandemic because of the Fed's action to print a, print a bunch of money. Like all of these things are connected, right? That's always um, trying something I'm always trying to integrate is like that when the and maybe maybe I'm just like maybe this is part of the narrative of the crypto world. Like maybe we don't actually fucking know to what degree the Fed prints money. Does that impact like where the value created by DeFi tokens goes to? But like there's been a there's been a surge of crypto dollars on Ethereum, and and like who knows what that actual impact is? Like all of these same things are belong together inside of one coherent conversation, in my opinion. I just don't have enough data to be able to string them all together. I know that Antel will probably push back on you and say that there's not a whole lot of money printing that's actually happening in terms of money that's being created out of thin air to, you know, kind of pump into crypto dollars. But I think there is a flight into dollars and dollar derivatives globally. And maybe that's what's driving right. That, that's what uh, I mean. a lot of this, a lot of the demand for dollars is demand for dollars. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I, yeah, you're right. I, I shouldn't be saying that it was money printing. That means there's a bunch of money on on Ethereum, but it's demand for dollars. It's demand for dollars. Look, yeah, I mean, I, I think the crux of the story here is we are learning a shitload about liquidity. Like liquidity is an extremely dominant network effect. And just look what the dollar is doing to the big, the crypto market, the Bitcoin market right? It's, it's taking over as money. Um, so, and, and mostly in the form of tether, but you can see in these alt, uh, stable coins as well, uh, that those are also, you know, getting a lot of usage as well. I mean, I, I don't know what else to say there. Like liquidity freaking matters and it is powerful. Uh, I don't know. I think that's bullish for Bitcoin, but, uh, I don't know like what time scale, like it's really gonna, you know, take place. Yeah, uh, liquidity is like this very nebulous, not well-defined, like I know we can have very strict definitions of what it really is, but it's actual like manifestation in the market is like very hard to like pinpoint or put your thumb on or track down, right? Like you, it's very hard to like engineer liquidity. It's like one of these things that are just outside of the control of, hu- the, of human nature, right? the federal reserve and and the U S government is, are these things that are trying to own or control the market. Right. So when the fed says like, I'm going to do this action and the market will behave this way, that's a coming from a belief that the fed can actually control the market. The fed owns the market when like the Austrian economics view is that the market is something that controls all of us. And like, if you think that you control the market, like maybe you can have it for a small amount of time, but it will end up blowing up in against you. Um, and part of that, I think, comes from the concept of liquidity, right? Liquidity and where liquidity goes. Liquidity is like a, it's like a stress ball, right? You, you squeeze it and then it'll pop out in like a different corner elsewhere. Like you try and control it with your fist and you squeeze it and then it just pops out and then goes out of your control. So liquidity is this very nebulously hard to define thing that ultimately only ever comes from like real value, right? You can't fake liquidity. No one can fake liquidity. And so maybe on a short time frame, but on a long time frame, you can't. And so like all this money printing, this is why like all the, all, all the Austrian econo- econo- uh, economists loathe money printing is because like, it's this illusion of liquidity that is just very temporal and temporary and not actually trying to solve any real problem. 
at least in the long term. Yeah, no, I mean, I think real, I mean, people use inflation, deflation, liquidity, they use all these words very liberally. Um, but when I think about liquidity, I think about it's literally a network of people that hold their value in something. So, right. But those people can be super fleeting, right? But value, like, like we just discussed, like value doesn't fleet that fast. So like it is a value of people that hold their value in something as well as use that as a unit of account, as well as, um, you know, ultimately use it to settle contracts, which is what we're seeing with the dollar is that these contracts are settled also in the dollar. Um, so mm -hmm. it, you can't fake that network, you know, right. it, you literally can't like, it takes work to get the value into that network and get that network dispersed around lots of people that use it. And you like, unless you have lots of people that use it, it's not liquid. Um, so it, that takes time. It takes, uh, and it, it takes grinding and it takes, you know, slow, slow transitioning. It happened for the dollar and a slow transition and the dollar also piggybacked off of gold's existing liquidity network, which was, you know, established over what thousands and thousands of years. I don't even know the magnitude mm -hmm. of when gold really started becoming a part of human value transfer. Uh, so, you know, these things, these liquidity networks essentially have been bootstrapping since, you know, human civilization started. Um, so it's definitely not something that you can just engineer like that. Yeah, I guess that's actually a really interesting point as to why. So like, when a, a liquidity network ends, like comes to a conclusion, right? Like, so some currency fails and then that liquidity went elsewhere, right? So that, that's what we saw in like, you know, Argentina, Venezuela, all the hyperinflation events, like a hyperinflation event is like a, a liquidity exodus, right? And so that's, that's also like the Bitcoin narrative where there's going to be a liquidity exodus from the dollar into Bitcoin. And, and for other uh, currencies into Bitcoin as well. Yeah, sure. Like a general, yeah, right. And so I guess there's two ways to end if for a, for a currency. There's two ways to end liquidity, right? The one you just, you have the better money or B or two, you uh, just hyperinflate your own currency away, which is like very destructive, right? Like hyper, like printing money is destructive of liquidity because you're just incentivizing the exodus of that liquidity elsewhere. However, if there's no actual place for that liquidity to go to, you're in trouble. And maybe, maybe that brings us back to the conversation of like why the stock market is pumping and perhaps the safest bet of all time at this present moment because of the current situation, because where else is that liquidity going to be found? Like yep. maybe it's found in Tesla. Who knew? Well, Tesla is a lot more liquid than most cryptocurrencies at this time, you know, in terms of just people and institutions have access to Tesla. Is it more liquid than Bitcoin? I have no idea how to compare these things. So it's different because I mean, maybe like globally it's not, but in terms of magnitude of money that can flow into it, I would say mm -hmm. definitely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Like there's a lot more money that could pour into Tesla, but <laughs> you know, right now with the current network that's set up, but there's probably, you know, Bitcoin's extremely liquid globally, it's, but they're different. Right. They're also yeah, like one's a stock yeah. and is permissioned and one is right. permissionless. Yeah, one's anti-fragile and one is gated. Right. So 
Yeah. And personally, that's my, my thesis for Bitcoin is that there's going to be two systems. There's going to be the permissioned kind of existing system, or even like you can call it like the pseudo Fed coins, like crypto coins, crypto dollars, uh, that they're kind of like an upgrade on the dollar, but they're still part of this existing system. And then there's going to be the completely permissionless system growing alongside of it. And it's, it's going to be kind of like they're, they're, they're both growing and both being used, but as the permissionless side of it continues to build up, continues to build liquidity, there becomes a period of time where it kind of like it flips. It's like, why would you use a permission system anymore? The permissionless system has enough liquidity to be useful for your use case and has enough of a network effect. And then from there, that's when it becomes just like a flood into the permissionless system because fuck the permission system that makes sense to me that, that also seems like the same division between the banked and the unbanked right so like w- the unbanked is like the permissionless system because where else are the unbanked going to get their bank is from the permissionless system that seems like the same same sort of dichotomy i, I agree yeah, with that sure. mm-hmm. yeah um but i guess the kind of the reason we i know we went on a pretty huge tangent here um, and there's some Classic pretty good POV tangent. There's some pretty good points to like pivot to talking about uh, ample forth in particular. But right. you reached out and you're like, "Hey, like I want to talk about ample forth." Um, I did a little bit of research on Twitter. Just read a bunch of tweet threads by some enthusiasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm kind of getting why you could be excited, but I'm curious to get why you're excited about ample forth. Yeah, so like I'm going to make some some claims and then they're going to be very easy to shoot down. And and the first claim I'm going to say is like it's it's just like Bitcoin in its in its architecture, right? And so there's in its idealized architecture, it's supposed to be very similar. The only thing that is meaningfully different is just this one key distinction. And then we can go all into how there's many, plenty of other distinctions as well, but like when we talk about the crypto economics dis- distinction, it's just like Bitcoin in the sense that it's non-dilutive, right? And so if the Ampleforth has a $20 million market cap and you buy $1 million worth of Ampleforth, you are have, you have a, a, an assured guarantee that you are going to have 1 20th of the Ampleforth supply. So in that, in that sense, it's very much exactly the same as Bitcoin in its um, uh, values of being a non-dilutive currency. What's different is that the Ampleforth token tracks a dollar. And so the way that you, the way that this changes things is that like, so Bitcoin has a very inelastic supply, right? And so any sort of demand for BTC, the asset is immediately reflected in the price. Ampleforth is the opposite where it has a very inelastic price, but it has a completely elastic supply. So uh, when the price is above uh, $2019, very specifically $2019, uh, it will mint more or burn more from everyone's wallets equally, right? And so say you have like a thousand Ampleforth and then the dollar or then the price of these things are trading at a dollar and 20 cents on the market. Uh, over time, uh, you, it will there will be a rebasing event where you will be minted more. And so there be, and be in accordance to trying to just add more supply to bring the price down because of the laws of supply and demand. Uh, and so like in, in its very simplistic sense, the architecture is exactly like Bitcoin, just with these two qualities reversed. And I think that is absolutely fascinating. 
Yeah. So, I mean, as I was doing my research, it appears as though there's a lot of incentives to make a lot of money with this scheme. Can you mm-hmm. kind of dig into that kind of stuff? Uh, yeah. So they have, they're, they're dipping their toes into liquidity mining, which is where this becomes very qualitatively different from Bitcoin, right? Where like there's a centralized team that is orchestrating this. There's a developer fund. There's an ecosystem fund. There's team rewards, like all the things that are completely antithetical to Bitcoin. So like uh, we, we can debate about that, but like, I don't think there's much of a debate there. These, these things are different. Like it's not the same. Uh, the, the really the same thing is they're kind of like trying to create a sound money, non-dilutive system. Uh, and the way that they're doing that is they're bootstrapping the liquidity of this system by rewarding people who supply Ampleforth tokens to Uniswap with extra dividends, right? So they have this pool of Ampleforth that they're trickling out to the people that supply liquidity to Uniswap. And so in addition to the Uniswap exchange fees that you get from supplying your assets to any Uniswap pool, you also get like this extra stream of Ampleforth tokens to reward you for supplying uh, liquidity. Because like liquidity is, is and this is the way they market it, it the market Ampleforth is like as a sound, a, a, a base, a sound base money experiment, right? And so in order to become a sound base money, they need liquidity. Right, so they're taking a pool of the Ampleforth tokens, which they've minted. It's like it's probably a pre-mine, um, and they are just trickling it out to people that supply liquidity to the market. So they pre-mined coins that hold a value of a dollar. Yes. How does that work? Yes. So yeah, I don't know how it works at the very beginning, but like they minted some number of tokens that track the value of a dollar. Uh, and then when the value of these tokens on the secondary market are above a dollar, it rebases. And so it mints more so that it rebases downwards. And so um, if there, like, like if there's a dollar 20, it'll mint 20% more over time to adjust to a dollar. Now it never actually gets there. So like this is not at all a stable coin. If the, the vision of a stable coin cross your mind while you're listening to this, like you're wrong because you don't ever get any stability from this because like just because the tokens track a dollar, the value of tokens that you have are just as volatile as holding like Bitcoin. If Bitcoin was like a hundred million dollars back in like 2012 or 2013. Right. And so like super volatile, super volatile, just because the token is the same price slowly, it, it finds the same price over time. That doesn't mean you're gaining any stability from this because the market, the, the value of how many of these things you hold changes all the fucking time. And so like the, the, the reason why I so really why? wanted to, yeah, yeah, well, so, it, okay. That's that <laughs> the question of why is a fantastic question. And that's like, and so in, in my um, uh, Ethereum chats with all my, all my other friends in the Ethereum world, they're like, okay, that's, Okay, I get it, but why? But why? And like, it's a totally legitimate question. Like, okay, so like the, the token rebases itself to track a dollar, it's non-dilutive, but like, why? But what the, is the fucking point? And like, my answer to that question is like, we are in this uncharted land of like infinite potential opportunity. Why the fuck not? And like, one of the thing, one of the reasons that you should answer or one of the ways I have to answer your question is like the coin is fucking pumping. Like that's the fucking reason. 
Like the, the, you get to ask and be skeptical as to why these things should or should not have value. But the, the fact that Ampleforth just pumped from like, I don't know, like a $10 million market cap to $150 million market cap over the course of like six weeks, that should indicate to you that there at least is a why there. Like, okay, yes, part of the answer is that 4chan got a hold of it and they pumped it. But the, the, and there's also that meme I, I saw like floating around on Twitter where like somebody asked like, what's the token do? And then somebody else on 4chan answers the question or answers the question. It goes up in price, right? But like, that's what Bitcoin is. That's the Bitcoiner narrative. Like, okay, what's, what Bitcoin, what, what does Bitcoin do? Oh, it's a savings technology. It goes up in price. It's the same fucking thing. And so like some people say like, okay, this is just like this experiment. It's kind of illegitimate as a monetary th- uh, system. But I'm like, all of these things are experiments. Like all of these things are like realm, like diving into this new landscape of potential like architectures that we could derive out of these tokens. I think Ampleforth, even though I don't have an answer for you as to why you should buy it, other people do, and and I don't and I don't know what their answers are either. I just know that because they have some answer for it, they're buying it on the secondary market, and that's why. Is that fair, or is that just bullshit? I mean, number go up is always fair, but it's also bullshit. <laughs> so, like, we were just talking about the power of liquidity. So, this thing is not going to serve as a stable coin, and it's not going to be as liquid as Bitcoin. So it it could pump. It's also liquid as fuck. So like, that's probably why in six weeks it's, you know, 15 X or whatever. So, I mean, how, why, my question to you is like, why is this not just a pump and dump? Cause I okay. Anything, you can yeah. just pump and dump whatever. Like who cares? Right. Like that doesn't actually mean anything. Yeah. Just like Dogecoin just pumped and dumped. Yeah. I also do not have an answer to that question. However, this is a large part of what Ethereum people like criticize Bitcoin for. It's like, how do you know Bitcoin isn't just this one massive pump and dump? Because like all it is, is, and so like, this is what I would classify Ampleforth as, is as a Ponzi game. It's like this big game of chicken because it's, it's a hard sound money and not, not to the same degree Bitcoin is in the slightest, but like it, it, in its architecture of the token is a hard sound money that no one can dilute, uh, which is true. You can't, no one can dilute it. Um, and, or no one can dilute your ownership of it. And so like, if people want that as their money, they're just going to buy it as their money. Right. And so it's, it's, it's that. And so like the same, like if the same Bitcoin value proposition is the same ample forth value proposition. And we already saw it work for Bitcoin. Like obviously they're like Bitcoin didn't have or Ampleforth doesn't have the immaculate conception or the decentralization or the organic creation, blah, blah, blah. Um, But other than that, like they're pretty fucking similar. So they're not. Um, When you talk about a network of liquidity, like Ampleforth does not have that and Bitcoin already exists. Yeah, but I would imagine that like if Ampleforth had a $120 billion market cap instead of $120 million market cap, it would have. I, I, I believe that it has a network of liquidity that is currently fitting to its current market cap. That's probably, that's probably not totally true, but pretty close. Which is why it'll keep pumping and dumping. And if it got to a bigger market cap, it wouldn't. And then maybe people right. wouldn't give a shit about it as much. I, I think why I have like 
why I have like a bone to pick with Ampleforth is that like so many people are just invalidating it as like the, it's, it's, it's a Ponzi. It's, um, it's like, it's a gimmick. It's, it's not, there's no reason for it to have value. And I would just want to push back on the general community that thinks that, that like most of these things are like that. And in one, and Ampleforth of all things is like one of these new experiments that we couldn't have run anywhere else outside of crypto. And so like it gets, it's allowed its day, right? It's, a, it's allowed a, a, an attempt to be legitimate. And I want to be one of those people that allows it to have the legitimacy just because like we can't currently think of like we, maybe why we want this. There are plenty of potential uh, futures in front of us where Ampleforth could find like an interesting niche that it fulfills and that justifies this market cap. And, the same, but, and, and a lot of the na- same narratives or the same reasons why that Ampleforth will succeed in those particular niches are, is why we think that Bitcoin will succeed in pro- much more likely a much larger niche, but a niche no, nonetheless. What happens if the dollar has an issue? Well, no, because it, it tracks twenty nineteen dollars, so it's already set in stone. It's just it just picks some random event, some random CPI when it was created, and so like it doesn't matter what the future of the dollar does; it's only what it's, it's always twenty nineteen dollars. Okay, um, how do you how do you know that? Yeah, there's an article. Just down. There's there's an article. Yeah, for sure. No, no, no. But like, how do you even know? Like, like baskets of goods will change um like value of price and value of certain things compared to other things will change over time like how are you going to maintain that even that estimate of what it should be targeting towards yeah um that question is beyond me i don't know so, I mean, I don't want to sound like a dick or be like, hey, like this thing is not allowed its time and it, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's attempt at, you know, trying to be a legitimate project. And I don't necessarily know uh, what to think of the uh, ambitions or the motives behind the founders. Um, but I find a difficult time to think it's going to succeed in the long run. So when it comes to giving investment advice, like, you know, I wouldn't touch it with a 10 foot pole, but on the flip side, like it's probably going to pump. So I don't know. Like (laughs) the thing is like DeFi tokens are pumping. Everyone's getting hilariously rich, including, and and the reason why I keep saying that is because it's kind of a fucking meme on the, on that line. Everyone's, it came from 2017. It was like a, Everyone's getting hilariously rich. It was a Forbes rich. article, right? It was a Forbes article, yeah. Everyone's getting hilariously rich and you're not one of them or something. It's kind of, it's kind of like it's kind of talking to the times of DeFi right now, which is like there's massive FOMO going on. It's like, turns out if you had been paying attention for the last six months, DeFi tokens have been pumping for the last six months, like fucking hard. Like obviously yep. we knew Chainlink has been pumping, but turns out there's like eight more tokens behind the scenes that have also been pumping. And the only people, like I'm deep in the weeds of Ethereum stuff and it blew by me and it blew by most of my other Ethereum friends as well. Like we weren't paying attention either. And so the, and, and this is just what it probably was like in 2016. Like everyone in Ethereum is like, yeah, this is what 2016 felt like. It's like there was a big rush at the very beginning and that kind of set the stage for the next like two years. 
Yeah, I mean, and uh, they're saying that Dojo kicked it off in 2016 as well. So, oh, really? That's funny. Yeah, Doge kicked off the 2017 bull run. So, wow, I did not. Maybe uh, history repeats. I did not know that at all. But yeah, I mean, all of this stuff has has been pumping for a while. I've definitely kind of taken notice of little things pumping. Mm-hmm. I've also just haven't really bothered to buy them. Maybe I'm just biased. Maybe I'm an idiot. You know, everyone's getting hilariously rich and I'm just holding Bitcoin, stable coin over here. I mean, that's um, how I feel with ETH, right? It's the same thing. But, but on the flip side, like I actively choose not to put any energy towards trading. Yeah. Like, and, I, and I feel as though I'm allocating my energy towards doing other things which are productive and are making me money and making me more Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. So okay, maybe I'm not getting the whatever gain on link. I'm also not getting the whatever loss that you're also eating because you're a trader. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, I'm always increasing my stack. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I just like, I'm not trying to be a trader. Like that's also part of it. Like, okay, everyone's getting hilariously rich, but I'm also not trying to be a trader. Like that right. requires a specific activity. And then it also requires you do that activity well. Right. Yeah, I think when people people can go back and look at the charts for DeFi tokens, like Link is up, I don't know how many fucking percent, like 700%. Aave's token Lend is up 800%. You know, Ampleforth is up. It's really actually hard to measure it because the price actually rebases. But the point is like everything's up. But as a you trader- You gotta talk about the market cap. Yeah, you have to talk about the market cap for, cap for Ampleforth. But like as a trader, you don't get to like assume that damn, I should have been in Aave's token lend or I should have been in Link because then I would have had 800%. Like you don't get to think that. That's not a fair thought because you would have fucking sold and then you would try to have bought back in and then you would have sold again and you would have fucked it up along the way probably. And so you don't get to look in hindsight at like Aave's 800% like pump and be like, damn, I missed out on 800% gains you best at best missed out on like 300% gains. Probably. Probably. Yeah. I mean, if you're active, if you know how to allocate a long-term hold strategy and you do that extremely well, like that's probably how you make the most money. Mm-hmm. Um, just trading, like you can't break discipline. It's so hard. So hard. So I, I just never recommend it because you got to, you need to be extremely good. And if you, you know, if you can't compete against the best traders that have the most liquidity and the most information, like it is, everything can go up. And unless you just have conviction, you're going to hodl, which takes a lot of research and conviction and emotional stability, then you're just going to get wrecked on every move. One thing I think I was talking to Anthony Cesano about this forever ago. Um, where he, he has this on the, he he's works at SET, right? And so he has this token on SET protocol. And SET protocol, for those that, that don't know, it's like this uh, algorithmic trading uh, system. And they also have a social trading system. So like you can just follow traders who, and then you'll just copy, it's a copy trader system. Still doing uh, it? Am I still doing it? No, I opted out of it forever ago. I, I just wasn't doing anything. I was just, I, all, my set was between Ether and USDC and it was just 100% in Ether the whole time, which actually ended up working out. Um, but so his, it's the same thing. It's, it's 100% ETH between an ETH USDC pair and it's set to sell into 100% USDC the moment Ether price hits $10,000. And so uh, I was talking to Anthony. It's like, Anthony, like, because he has this very strong conviction, like he's the the ETH to 10K memer, right? And I'm like, Anthony, like, I don't know if you, I don't, we didn't really talk in 2017, 2018, but like, 
we had, I had ETH at $1,400 and I didn't sell a cent because I thought it was going to like 5,000, right? Like you don't think like that when things have pumped like 10X or 100X or whatever. You think differently. And so when you are a trader and these things have fucking mooned, like you have a different mentality. You have a different personality in that, in that present moment where when it, when it is time to sell, you are a different person. And I think if you're not taking that into account nowadays, uh, you are going to, you should, you should be doing that. You should be doing that. Dollar cost average, both yeah. selling and buying. Yeah. That's the only investment advice I will give, even though this is not investment advice. <laughs> okay. So, so let's finish up this, uh, this episode with a question um, that I have. Christian, what from your gathering of all your BTC friends, what's like the price sentiment for Bitcoin? Like, are people bullish? Are people neutral? Are people bearish? What's going on? I think people don't know what to think. Uh, I, I would say overall, there's like this bullish aura, but um, I'm like, dude, the longer we hang around these prices, it could dump. And I, like we were talking with Colin, we're like, it's going to dump. And then last week it had like a little pump. I was like, oh, I was wrong. And then it just deflated. So, um it's just not part of, it's not really part of the narrative right now. And I think that's a good thing. You know, the, the difficulty just adjusted, um, you know, things are kind of settling. There's a lot of fireworks happening globally. We don't know what's happening with supply chains still. Uh, there's, it seems as though Bitcoin on a P2P level is doing extremely well uh, across the globe. So I'm just kind of, you know, waiting and seeing. It's very, very exciting seeing all this stuff with Tether. Uh, it's been funny hearing the memes and, and seeing all the ETH heads getting uh, real excited about DeFi. Uh, I'm very curious to see how DeFi, like what role DeFi has to play in this next, uh, in this next bull run. Because I think a bull run is happening. There's a lot of like different factors that are going to push in that direction, having being one of them. But um, whatever the hell is happening on Ethereum, I think is, is just going to be throwing gasoline on the fire for sure. Yeah, I would definitely agree. And, and to give my answer for, for Ether, it's definitely like people are bullish. People, people are really bullish, but there's also this equal frustration that like the, all this bullishness in DeFi, like the, the, the narrative of it just turning back into ether valuation is actually just insecure, right? And so, like, we don't have EIP-1559. Very, we very insecure. We don't have ETH staking. So, like, we're all putting on the face, oh, it'll rotate back into ETH, right? Like, oh, yeah, you know, ETH is the ETF for DeFi tokens when it's, we don't really know if that's true or not. Like, I think a very, a very valid case could be made where, like, it's a trailing indicator or trailing ETF for DeFi tokens. Um, but that's also just a narrative and I don't, I don't really know that. So like, while everyone on Ethereum is bullish when it comes to ether, like it's a little bit harder to, uh, a little bit harder to pin down what, however, does make me extremely bullish. And this is asset agnostic, except for any crypto asset is that every fucking podcast I listen to from different people from all over crypto podcast land, whether it's like uh, Castle Island with Nick Carter or, or Delphi Digital with Tom Shaughnessy or Pomp's podcast, everyone talks about just the absolute surge in small family or uh, family offices or just like sm small time in quote unquote, you know, institutional investors who are, you know, 
I don't, I don't even know what how to classify this, but like everyone's apparently asking about crypto and like Bitcoin, yes, and also fucking DeFi apparently, but like everyone is like getting calls about crypto, uh, and so I hear that as a common through line almost on on all the podcasts I listen to, which is just fucking bullish. Doesn't matter what what asset you're talking about. It's bullish for the big ones and bullish for the right little ones. Yes, indeed. Um, I do have one last question for you before we before we close it out. So uh, there was some sort of article written about how ETH 2.0 probably won't happen until 2021. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a big freak out about that on Twitter. And then recently, Justin Drake tweeted out like, okay, we hear the community, like we're going to do our best to get, like it's happening this year, we promise. And then Vitalik under it tweets like, you know, we're going to get this done, but it may not be for, you know, equally dominant um, implementations. It might just be, you know, one implementation and then like maybe another one that's like a side implementation right out the gate. Um, So I'm curious, like, how do you feel about that? Like what went down there? Yeah, so that came out of the ETH2 AMA on Reddit. So all the ETH2 developers from different clients came to Reddit to answer questions about um, the progress of Ethereum 2. However, the progress of Ethereum 2 isn't one, there's not like one group of people working on Ethereum 2. Like Ethereum 2 isn't, isn't one thing. Like there isn't like the ETH2 squad. It's a bunch of different clients all working on their own implementation of Ethereum 2 right so it's a decentralized system there's not there's not one client there's like seven and apparently what we what we didn't know is that none of the developers had been fucking talking about schedule or timelines or anything so like each one of the different clients had like different estimations as to when they could go live and so some clients are ahead of others in development uh and so what came out of that was like a a a somebody mentioned that it could happen in 2021 which if it happened in 2021, it would be a full one year after like the initial timeline that we got in 2019, where it was supposed to be in Q1 of 2020, which you had your bet on CK with uh, um, Joe Peters or whatever. Uh, And it turns out that was a very smart bet on your side. Um, So congrats. Uh, But against E2, or bet against E2. (laughs) Yeah, bet against E2 rolling out in a timely fashion. Uh, and so there all these different clients just have different timelines. And so, uh, you know, th- there's that, that was like a bummer to hear because everyone wants that to roll out. And so, and, and there's also the debate as to whether like is good, the enemy of perfect. And is that an appropriate, like, th- like meme to leverage in this present time? And so like part of the attitude is that like the community members just want, we just want a fucking chip. It doesn't matter if it needs to be perfect because we can fucking fix it later. Cause we have like two and a half more phases. Uh, and so let's just get it out the door so we can start this ball rolling uh, is, is one pr- uh, perspective to take. And then the other perspective to take is like, no, this is like a gargantuan. We want it to be a gargantuan cataclysmic revolution and if we want that to be true, then we need to do it right without having any flaws, you know? So I understand both sides and I'm, I don't really find myself having a too strong mistake on either side. I'm, I could wait for ETH2. I wouldn't really care. I was going to take this another uh, another level, but I don't want to go beyond an hour here. So let's wrap it up and we can, okay. we can pick this up next weekend. All right. Sounds good. Should I close it out? Yeah. 
All right, guys, you can follow the podcast at POV Crypto Pod. You can follow me at Trustless State, both on Twitter and on Bankless. DK? Yeah, you can find me at CK underscore Snarks. Uh, also, check out Bitcoin Magazine. A lot of good stuff happening there. Um, five star reviews, guys. Make sure to give us those five star reviews. Make sure to share every episode you love. If you loved it, give us a share on Twitter, give us a share on Reddit. It means a lot to us. It does indeed. All right. Thanks, everyone.